Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. That's what we're trying to figure out about 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 16. Is this meant for us? Because if you were here last week, there is some stuff that sounds strange to our ears. I mean, it, in our modern culture, it sounds strange to our ears. And so the question, is this for us? Men and women, are we equal? The Bible would say, yes. But does that mean we are the same? This is not an endorsement of a husband's domination of his wife. And any husband that does that is out of the will of God and is not submitting himself to the headship of Christ in his life. This is an endorsement of a wife's demonstration of Christ-like humility to her husband. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We're continuing in our study of the first half of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and our series, Crossroads, where your faith intersects your culture. In answer to the second question I asked a moment ago, are men and women the same? The Bible would answer resoundingly, no. It's the creation order that God had purposes in the creation order. And if we understand that, we can fulfill our roles, male, female. We can fulfill our roles as God has designed them for us. We're living in a time where distinctions between male and female are being challenged like never before. And what Paul has to say today in 1 Corinthians 11 has a direct bearing on that subject. Let's get into it. Here's Pastor Clay. Cindy and I received a check in the mail for almost $7,000 from a complete stranger. That's what I said. What? Do you know how many guitars I can buy with that? A check for almost $7,000 from a complete stranger. Unfortunately, the check was made out to someone who also was a complete stranger stranger. In other words, it wasn't meant for us. Hey, that's what we're trying to figure out about 1 Corinthians 11 verses 1 through 16. That's what we're trying to figure out. Is this meant for us? Because if you were here last week, and I'm going to read it again in just a moment, but if you were here last week and we read verses 1 through 16, you know there is some stuff that sounds strange to our ears. I mean, it, in our modern culture, it sounds strange to our ears. And so the question, is this for us? I mean, does this, is this really for us? And if it is, what does it mean for us? Because this sounds really weird to me. And if you weren't here, it's going to sound weird to you too. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, uh, we spent last week on verses 1 through 16. We're going to spend this week on 1 through 16. And we're going to spend next week on verse 1 16. We're just not going to get through it all. There's no way. And, and this, I'm going to tell you, this is a lot. This is a lot. This is, a, you know, there's preaching and there's teaching. And there, this is a Bible study, y'all. I'm going to tell you, this is a Bible study. Uh, it's got application in it. I certainly hope. Uh, there's, I'll, I'll, I'll raise my voice some so it'll sound like preaching. But uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, th- this, is just, this is just a lot. This is just a lot. And, and there's no way to get around that. Uh, I don't apologize for that. Uh, because as I also said last week, I'm also not going to skip over a passage of Scripture just because it's a lot. Or just because it's hard. Or just because it, there is some variance in there between what, what the text says and what current streams of cultural thought are. I, I'm not going to skip over just for that reason. So I'm telling you in advance, it's a, it's a lot. Um, but 
let, let's, let's see what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 16. Maybe you have a copy of God's Word with you. Uh, we always try and provide one up on the screen as well. I'm going to read it uh, to you, and then we're going to dive back in, uh, basically picking it up from where we left off last week. Everybody ready? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And what was it I said last week, and I've said throughout this series? You have to determine, remember I've said this over and over and over again? You have to determine your source of truth when, when claims of truth conflict. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying, disgraces her head. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, in the Lord, neither, woman, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him, but if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her? For her hair is given to her for a covering. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no other practice, nor have the churches of God. Father, today as we dive back into this, uh, this difficult passage for us, because uh, as I said last week, we, we are so uh, far removed from the culture in which this was originally written. But Father, I just pray that you would give clarity and insight, help us to understand uh, the, the questions that I'm asking, what the answers are to those, and what it means for our lives. I pray for each heart and mind and spirit in this place to be open to what, what you would say, because in the end, what you have to say is, is the only thing that really matters. I, I, I believe that with all my being, and uh, I want people to understand clearly. So I, I pray that you would use me as your messenger boy to speak today. Uh, your truth to these people, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. We started last week by asking this question. This was as far as we got, as we began to discuss it. We started with this question, what did it mean for them? In other words, what, what, did, what Paul writes here, what did it mean for the Corinthians? And I went through a, a pretty good bit in the time that we had 
uh, to explain what we do know about the historical background, the historical context, and some things that we do not know about the, the historical background, the historical uh, context. Uh, but what, what, what I got to, one of the things that I said was that uh, in that culture, uh, there in the first century in Corinth, you had, you had the church, believers, followers of Jesus, who are predominantly made up of, of two different groups of people. People that came out of a Jewish background and people that came out of a, a Greek or a non-Jewish background, a Gentile, a non-Jewish uh, background and prom- predominantly from Corinth and, and that area, uh, most likely. And those two people were bringing into the church uh, customs, a, a particular custom. And it had to do with, uh, in the Jewish culture, men covering their head when they prayed uh, and or prophesied, and we'll, we'll get to the meaning of that when later on we get to spiritual gifts. Uh, so they would cover their heads, Jewish men. Jewish women then would not cover their heads when they prayed or prophesied. And then the other side of it was the Gentile believers, the, the predominantly Greek believers coming into the church. They were followers of Jesus. But in their tradition, men did not cover their heads, but women did cover their heads or even veil their faces, and you still see that in that part of the world uh, today. So, uh, and as I said last week, there's, there's some bit of speculation here because, because we, we don't know everything exactly, but we do know that was going on, and we, know, and we can assume that that would have been a contentious point for the church in Corinth since uh, the church of Corinth managed to find something to fight about over virtually everything. And so... And so you've got Jewish men coming in with their heads covered, non-Jewish men coming in with their heads not covered, uh, Jewish women coming in with their heads uh, not covered, uh, Greek non-Jewish women coming in with their heads covered, and they're looking at each other, and they're like, oh, wow, wow. So here's the emphasis that I made last week that I want to bring back up again on the screen so you have it. In that culture, this is, this is important for our understanding, okay, what we're going to get to in a minute. In, in that culture, the covering or not covering of your head had a, a cultural significance or meaning to it. Whether you were Jewish, whether you were Gentile, there was some type of cultural significance to uh, having, having your head covered or not covered. So, this is the question that I kind of finished with last week, or this was the thought that I kind of finished with last week. Basically, I believe you've had the, the, the Corinthians, we know that they've written Paul a letter. I think they included in that letter a question basically saying, Who's right about this? Since Paul brings this up, really, virtually almost out of nowhere, who's right about this? Should men have their heads covered when they pray or prophesy or not covered? Should women have their heads covered when they pray or prophesy or not covered? Who's right about this? That's questions they kept asking Paul about, hey, which way should it go? Who's right? What do I do? I think that that's exactly what happened here in Corinth, that they're asking Paul, hey, those Jewish guys, I, I, I think they're being shameful by covering their heads when they pray. Hey, I, I think those, those Gentile women are being shameful by covering, you understand know what I'm saying? So I think that's, that's what's going on. Now, all of that said last week, and let me go ahead and say that we're going to have to look some more at what it meant for them in order to get to this second division statement that we're going to deal with this week. What does it mean for us? That's really the question most people want answered, isn't it? What does it mean for us? In fact, I would 
venture to say that there perhaps are some of you uh, here who would say, you know what, I don't, I don't really give a rip about what it meant for the Corinthians. I don't really care. I don't like history anyway. It doesn't matter to me what it, it, it meant to the Corinthians. So I just assume you cut to the chase. Tell us what it means for us and we can beat all the rest of the churches to the restaurant. That's what I just assumed happened. It's going to be crowded on Father's Day anyway. I simply can't do that. This weekend, I had a conversation with a young lady who is not a follower of Jesus, uh, but she recently attended a Jehovah's Witness uh, service. And in the service, she she said, one of the things that struck her as weird was that she said that uh, somebody stood up and read a passage of Scripture. And then that person that stood up and read that passage of Scripture then uh, turned to the, the people who were there and asked for volunteers to stand up and said to them, stand up and share what this passage means to you. What does this passage mean to you? And, and opened, up, opened up the floor. And I said to that young lady uh, who, who shared that story with Cindy and me, it doesn't matter what that passage means to you. It doesn't matter what that passage means to me. It only matters what the passage means. What did God intend to communicate? And then, what is the application for us in our context today? That's the only thing that really matters. So, so uh, as much as some of you might want to, we can't just skip over the historical part. We can't just skip over what it meant to the Corinthians. We have to know what it meant for the people it was originally written to in order we, to figure out what it means for us in our culture today. I said last week that Paul uh, makes a statement in there that, that probably, I don't think it would have been anything new. When he makes this statement in verse 3, he says, uh, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman, and God is the head of Christ. Paul makes that statement at the beginning of this conversation that he's about to have. And as I said last week, I really do not believe that that would have been new. Paul almost certainly would have, been, would have taught them the equality among the Godhead. He almost certainly would have taught them equality among the sexes. And yet the role of, of a husband and or father, the role of a mother, a wife and or a mother, I don't think in that sense it, it would have been new. So why does Paul start with this statement in verse 3? But, but I want you to understand that, da-da-da-da-da. Why does he start with that statement? I think that he starts with that statement because of this. Let's get into it. In verse 4, Paul says, Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying Dis, uh, disgraces his head. Now, keep in mind the cultural context. I've already said this, I'll say it again, but keep in mind in that culture, the covering or the not covering of your head carried a social significance and a cultural meaning. So Paul starts out with every man who uh, covers his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. couple of things to point out here. First, when Paul says, this, when Paul makes this statement, it would have been eye-popping for sure. And certainly, at least to the Jews. Because Paul is a Jew. Paul is, is not only a Jew, Paul's a, a Jew of Jew. Paul's a Pharisee. 
Paul is a Pharisee. He is a stringent, or before coming to Christ, he was a Pharisee, I should say that. Before coming to Christ, he was a Pharisee and a stringent adherent to the laws and the practices and the customs of the Jewish people. He had studied under Gamaliel, probably the, one of the, if not the most famous rabbinical teachers of the entire first century. It, it, it would be like saying today that you have a law degree from Harvard University. There's just a certain amount of clout that goes uh, with that, that's associated with, the, oh, you know, he studied, you know, he studied under Gamaliel. <laughs> Y'all can't say that. Oh, we studied under Clay Stevens. Yeah, it doesn't carry the same thing. It doesn't, doesn't carry the, the same clout. But, but this is Paul. I mean, if anybody knows the, the customs, if anybody knows the culture, if anybody knows the, the practices and the meaning of the practices uh, for the, the, what the Jewish people do, it's Paul. He knows it. And the Jewish people have been practicing this. The men have been covering their heads for, for praying and prophesying. They've been, they've been practicing that custom for hundreds, at least hundreds of years before this letter is ever written. And Paul has just blown that custom out of the water. Essentially, Paul has sided with the Greeks in this discussion about who's right. Should, should, should men have their heads covered or should men not have their heads covered? Paul has just sided with the Greeks, essentially saying, you, you, you Jews, y'all got it wrong on this. And I, I'm one of y'all, but y'all, you got it wrong. About this whole covering your head thing. Second uh, idea that we need to look at or examine in light of this, this statement that he's made in verse 14. A man that prays or prophesies with his head covered dis- disgrace. Here's what you need to under- understand. And I'll have Tyler bring it up on the screen. Paul's not talking about disgracing their physical head, but their spiritual head. I'm convinced that's absolutely what he means. He's not talking about their physical head, but he's talking, rather, about their spiritual head. Look at it again. He says in verse 14, every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. Now, obviously, the first head is, is your physical head. They were covering their heads. Any man who has something covering his head, but then he makes a statement, disgraces his head. Head. Now, if that statement, if verse 14 just stood alone by itself, you could say, uh, well, he's saying that, um, that, that if you do this, you're shaming yourself. You're disgracing your own head. You're shaming yourself. But here's the thing, folks. Verse 4, I'm sorry, I think I said 14. Verse 4 has to be understood. You with me? You still with me? Verse 4 has to be seen in light of verse 3. Remember verse 3? But I want you to understand that Christ is the what? Head of every man. Now, now it should become clear. Oh, now I understand why he starts this discussion with this statement in verse 3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. So when Paul says, when Paul says he disgraces his head... He's not talking about his physical head. What Paul is saying is he, meaning the the Jewish man that's practicing this custom, he's become a believer in Jesus now, but he's brought this custom of covering his head over with him. He, the Jewish man, is disgracing or dishonoring Christ, his head. Now, 
I'll get to the reason for that or, or, the, or what makes it a disgrace, why he's disgracing Christ by doing that. I'll get to that next week. Thanks, thanks. I like that. That's, I like that. Sound like y'all, y'all are interested in this. So I'll get to why he's disgracing Christ next week. But we have to look at verse 5 and 6 first because, it, it, because it's so clear. Verse, uh, verse 5 and 6. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head, for she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her cover her head. What the world? <laughs> okay. Just like with the man, all right, at this part I think we can, we can get a hold of, just like with the man disgraces her head doesn't mean that she's uh, bringing shame on herself, or at least not primarily bringing shame on herself. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that, that she, the Jewish woman who is practicing this custom of not covering her head, is disgracing or dishonoring her husband, her head, why? Because verse 3 again said, and the man is the head of a woman. Stop the presses. Just to remind you, I spent more time in this last week, but, but I feel like every time you make a statement like that in this culture, you really need to clarify it. But to remind you again, he's, he's talking about voluntary submission, not involuntary subjection. Voluntary submission, not involuntary subjection. Hey, listen, this is what I want you to understand. This is not an endorsement of a husband's domination of his wife. Let me say that again. This is not an endorsement of a husband's domination of his wife. And any husband that does that is out of the will of God and is not submitting himself to the headship of Christ in his life. This is not an endorsement of a husband's domination of his wife. This is an endorsement of a wife's demonstration of Christ-like humility to her husband by by taking up the role in which God designed for her. Now, listen, I, let me just say this. Our culture may not like that, but, but that's the way God designed it, and he has his purposes for it, and hopefully we'll be able to get to some of that next week. Okay. Come on, right? What is with the head-shaving thing? Right? What, what, what is that? What's going on? I did not... Um, let me just say this to you, okay? I did not research this thoroughly, but it is my understanding that there is some evidence that in the ancient world, or at least in Corinth, a woman who, who cut her hair off, or, or literally to the, to the point of shaving her head, I mean, the, the, the implication is a, a, a very bare head, shaving her head, there, there is some evidence that that was a practice of uh, prostitutes in the ancient world, or at least in Corinth. I do, not, I do not know for sure that that was the practice, and if it was the practice, I can't even tell you exactly what the meaning would have been for a prostitute to shave her head unless it was just a way to, to identify, hey, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble, so I'm not even going to say it. Um, so I don't, I don't know even that it actually was a practice. I'm just saying that, that, that some uh, scholars have indicated that there is some evidence that it, so it may have. But here's my, at the very least, at the very least, we know that historically it was a practice for oftentimes when, when a, 
a conquering people group, a conquering country, invaded, took over, won the battle or whatever of another country, that they would oftentimes cut off the hair, shave the heads of the women of the defeated country as a way of dishonoring that country, as a way of shaming that country. Ah, look what we did to y'all. We, we, we did this. That it was a way to, to, to show shame or, or dishonor. And here's what, and if you think about this, if you know anything about, if you've read virtually anything in history, you, you would know that this is true, that a woman's hair historically and in virtually all cultures has been a sign of beauty and strength and femininity. That has been, that, that has been a cultural norm throughout history in virtually every culture. Now, if, <laughs> yeah, you got to wait till next week, but if you're a woman here and you have short hair and you're freaking out, don't, okay? Just, just, just stay, stay with me. Don't freak out. It just, but you just need to know that culturally that has, has, has been a thing. So, in essence, what Paul is saying to the, to the women is that if, you, uh, if you're not going to cover your head, remember, in that culture, covering your head carried cultural significance and meaning to it. If you're not going to cover your head when you pray or prophesy, you might as well cut your hair off. You might as well shave your head because you are dishonoring your head, your husband, the one that, that God has given a specific assignment and task to. Okay, I know we still haven't gotten to, okay, what does it mean for us? But that'll have to wait for next week. You need to understand what was happening in Corinth, why it was happening, and why Paul makes these statements. When he says, men, you're disgracing your head, he's saying, men, you're disgracing Christ. When he says, women, you're disgracing your head, he says, women, you're disgracing your husband. What he's getting to, here's what I want you to, this will come out next week. But what he's showing is that it's not the custom that, that matters. It's, it's, the, it's the creation order. That's where, Paul, that's where Paul's going with this. That's what he's going to go to. That it's the creation order, that God had purposes in the creation order. And if we understand that, we can fulfill our roles, male, female. We can fulfill our roles as God has designed them for us. He's going, he's going outside of the culture. We'll see this next week. He's going out of the, outside of the cultural custom and going to the, to the creation order as to the reason. So... Uh, here, here's let me give you one more thing that it means for us essentially. Here's what we need to remember. Cultural practices vary. Biblical principles don't. That's, that's what we have to hang our hat on. Cultural practices will come and go and they will vary. Hairstyles will change and go and vary. Uh, Paul's addressing them it, it, supposedly in answer to their question, who's right, should we have a, in that culture because hair, head covering, because uh, long hair, because it carried a cultural significance to it, Paul's dealing with it for them. Next week, we'll see what it means for us. But cultural customs will vary. Biblical principles don't. And that's what we have to, that's what we have to stand on in our lives. Because customs will shift and change and go different ways, right? But the Word of God is constant, remains forever. What the Apostle Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16, certainly isn't popular among many in our culture today. But God's never been interested in winning a popularity contest. What He is interested in is helping us understand how men and women are uniquely created for His purposes. And we will only find fulfillment as men and women when we submit to His authority over our lives and live as He would want us to live. 
The cultural practice in Corinth of covering or not covering their heads isn't the same as our culture today. But what doesn't change is God's creation order and how that order helps us fulfill our roles in God's plan. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about a relationship, a community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person, real people who truly care, solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens, and the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculture.church. Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.